Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Uh, man, it seems like it's been a little bit. It's only been a week, but it, the the week kind of lingers on when there's no football. Or not, I mean, at least no Bears football. I mean, there's f- football, but that's only for good teams right now. Yeah, unfortunately, we're, we're at that point in the year where, well, I guess at, at at this point last year, we were getting knocked out this past weekend. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. Thank, <laughs> thank God that didn't happen because, like, I was looking and, like, this new seven seed thing, I, I think a lot of people are happy about it because they're like, oh, yeah, my team's going to the playoffs. Every seven seed just got absolutely beat to crap yeah. this week <laughs> you know like the eagle watching tom Brady. what would the eagles a seven seed in the nfc yeah right? i believe so yeah okay yeah because watching tom brady just beat the hell out of them was just god terrible <laughs> it was not a good game yeah no that that game wasn't really capturing at all i i did watch a good part of it but there wasn't really any part that was compelling and i guess like i don't know do you think it's worthwhile to have these seven seeds i I think we're eventually going to get to a point where there's going to be a quality seven seed and you know just over time i could see within the next 10 years i could see a seven seed winning the super bowl because it's just Mm -hmm. you know that's just how the nfl is it it, you get weird weird things happen exactly um but i don't know right now it's seeming like uh not so great (laughs) I think it's worth it. And I, the time where they really started to think about implementing this, you have to remember it was like 27 or like 2018, 20, 2018 really when, I, I mean, we, it's kind of hard to remember this, but like, I, do you just remember how so many offenses were just absolutely wrecking defenses that year? I mean, both like Kansas city and the Rams just had these insane offenses that seemed like they were putting up 50 points a game. Yeah. Defense has honestly made a rebound back in the Seriously. league. I mean, it's kind of just been tipping back and forth, and, you know, and I think defense has kind of come back on the scene, especially with just how crazy good some pass rushers have become recently. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. And it, and honestly, if it was, well, I don't think the Chargers would have even been the seven seed anyway, but it would have been more interesting on the AFC side if the Steelers weren't there. You know, ultimately, if that yeah. was the LA that Chargers or the worst. Or something like that. You know, there was a chance to get someone like Justin Herbert in the playoffs. And yeah, you know, instead you got to <laughs> got to watch Big Ben out there who is yeah. you know, on his last legs. Or even like the Colts it would have been su- such a better game to watch. Um, that is true. I totally forgot about them. Which how can you not it, with this current Bears uh, search where <laughs> basically everyone is a Colts executive? Seriously. And, you know, the Colts, they do good. But I also do think they're. I mean, if you look at the records that they've had, they're not that much superior to where the Bears have been the past couple of years. <laughs> like, it's kind it's of almost true. similar, um, with the exception of the Andrew Luck comeback season uh, and then immediate uh, the the immediate retirement after that, uh, which I still that that day still rings in my mind like it was yesterday. You know, I I was just so shocked when I when I heard that, um, but. You know, I I think that I mean we we can get we're gonna get obviously into these coaching candidates, but let's let's just hope that the Bears can see themselves playing at this time of the year this this year <laughs> next year I should say. I wouldn't count on it. You know, I don't think that necessarily needs yeah. to be. I don't think it needs to be the aim again, as painful as it sounds. But I I think that you know if not twenty twenty two, like it's got to be twenty twenty three. 
like things definitely have to come together in 2023. Mm-hmm. I think you have to give this next coach and obviously this next GM, you certainly got to give them the first year and speaking more so of the head coach. Like you got to give them a year pass to get things together. But that second year, you really want to be able to, you know, optimize some part of Justin Fields rookie contract. I mean, if we're not even in contention for the seven seed, I'll be pretty upset because if you look at some of the teams that were in contention for it in the NFC, I mean, we talked about the Eagles. <laughs> Eagles are trash. I'm yeah, sorry. No, uh, I, I think Jalen Hurts, I, a lot of people give him a lot of credit. I think he is pretty bad. <laughs> like I, I do not think he's that good. I, he flashes. He reminds me a lot of, honestly, he reminds me a lot of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, like I think he's obviously well outperforming his draft pick being that in the third round. But like, I do not see this guy being like a stable starter or, t- or some guy that could lead your team to the Super Bowl. I think he was like, what, like 15 and 10 on the season or something. Um, not very great for your second year player. Um, but at the end of the day, there are worse quarterbacks in the league and uh you know, it seems like good quarterback play. It's it's weird because we're hitting this weird point where pretty soon a lot of the big names, we're kind of in the middle of this transition that I would say define the past two decades of football. Guys like Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, you know, Big Ben, Drew Brees. Yeah. Like even even if you go back to Peyton Manning, who I think was really the the start of this new era um, that we're going to be moving into. These guys are stepping down. And like very soon it's gonna be Aaron Rodgers, um, Tom Brady. You like th- these guys are gonna be stepping down pretty soon, and you kind of wonder if the NFL is gonna be able to replace them because like those guys are just maybe it's just because like I they're the they're the quarterbacks I always remember growing up being the super good guys, but like I feel like we're just not gonna be able to keep up. I know what you mean. I mean, kind of like in that period of the late two thousands, heading into the early twenty tens, there was. Aaron Rodgers was in his peak and well, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers still might be in his peak, but, um, big Ben was playing at the top of his game. You know, there's even still a Kurt Warner in the league at that time. You know, Drew, Ble- Drew Brees was at the top of his game. Tom Brady had just almost come off that near perfect season. Peyton Manning was playing unbelievable. Even some guys like Carson Palmer, who was playing really good in Arizona towards the late, tw- uh, Late, tw- I guess, late twenty tens, technically. I don't Which know. is what you have to kind of let some of these younger quarterbacks. You have to realize they're going to develop and like those type of quarterbacks. You know, like is yeah. that's probably like what the Carson Wentz is now. Like maybe, and I don't know if maybe he might not mm. ever even be as good as like a Carson Palmer, but Carson Wentz is going to be a starting quarterback. On, I mean, he's already been two. I could see him be three teams and then he'll probably travel around the league as a backup later on in his career you know Mm -hmm. like yeah it's just some of these players have to develop and some of them have to go that route you know someone that blew my mind you know who's still in the league chad henny who chad henny the last time who who does he play for he's on the chiefs i think he's the backup qb oh that's right yeah that you're right that's that's right and i think he's been in the league since like what 20 2007 forever like he's probably forever. been around everywhere i mean it's it's unbelievable how some like the way that these nfl careers take some of these people but man I, you know some of these people maybe and maybe not like jalen hurts who might get more wear out physically and you know as soon as those legs start to to give out that's really gonna hamper his productivity but you know we'll see i just see like guys like you know i i feel like the average quarterback has gotten better 
Like the average quarterback compared to like 10 years ago has gotten much better. Like the rookies have gotten much better, but like the higher end guys, I don't know. I mean, for a while we thought that was going to be Patrick Mahomes this year. Patrick Mahomes has been a little off and on. I, I guess you can say like, uh, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, uh, even if you want to say someone like a Lamar Jackson, uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be a very weird era of football. I think Ooh, Joe that we're going to enter into. I give feel the man like. some, Joe, yeah, some chops, yeah. you know, I think Joe, Joe Burrow, I, uh, uh, Chargers quarterback, yeah, Herbert. Yeah. Herbert. I think Burrow I mean, and Herbert are going to be two, two names definitely to watch out for in the future. Along with, you know, Mahomes is kind of, like you said, the beginning there kind of seems like the beginning of this newer generation at least. And I think the, the best opportunity the NFL can have to replace those guys, I honestly think, was this past quarterback class. Because while a lot of these guys did not have ideal first seasons, obviously, with like specifically like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, who at times downright looked bad, right? Yeah. They're still, their ceiling is so high. And it, it would really surprise me if we didn't get two, three good guys out of this past quarterback crop when it's all said and done. Um, and to see them go to teams like like when you watch the Bengals, the Bengals are really a team that should motivate the Bears because that was a team in absolute disarray forever. Like with uh, Andy Dalton, like they had they had Andy that Andy Dalton, you know AJ Green, you know Tyler Eifert, those teams. I think they even had. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. They had a ton of good guys. Like, didn't they have Gio Bernard and yeah, uh, Giovanni Bernard? And uh, uh, they had a bunch. They had a bunch of good running backs. Hill, was it know. Hill something? Like, I forgot what his name was. They had that old. They had that Patriots wide receiver too. Dude, they they had some good players come through that team, but Marvin Lewis just couldn't get it done and like that. And then all of a sudden, they switch ship. Uh, they still don't have a GM, but they uh, they they get a new head coach, and the coach drafts. Joe Burrow, and within two years, they're a uh, major playoff threat. Yep. Yeah, so. and, 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 you know, when he was hurt last year and, and banged up and, you know, Justin Fields got a little banged up towards the end of this year, they, they were a bad team. They look like a really bad team. So, horrible. you know, that's why they're able to go up there and pick Jamar Chase. You know, so unfortunately, the Bears don't have the luxury of um, having a first round pick this coming year, but we can be awfully excited about having a decently high second round pick. And well said, well said. All right, man. Well, let's uh, first get into our first topic so we can stop boring our Bears listeners on the rest of the NFL. Uh, I, I wanted to kind of just take some time before we get into all these coaching candidates because there are a lot of good ones. Uh, a lot to be said. There's some bad ones too, but a lot of good ones. Um, and I want to talk about like, where did the bears go wrong over these past couple of hires? Um, specifically recent memory. So like, I think we, we can start this uh, with Mark Trussman, uh as the first one. And I was like looking back and I was thinking like they're, they're, the bears made a lot of unpopular hires. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm afraid through George McCaskey's press conference, one thing that he kept referring back to out of Bill Pullian's book was that the uh, that the unpopular move is sometimes the best for the franchise. Okay, he he kept he referred back to that like two three times, and in my head I'm like, we are so screwed. 
<laughs> we are so screwed because so many times and starting at Mark Trestman, did the Bears make the unpopular move and the popular move that they should have done was a better move all along. And yeah. fans are sitting there like with their hands up in the air and they're like, what the hell? Specifically with Mark Trestman. Mark Trestman, even though he was really bad with the Bears, I'm maybe not his first season, but really bad with the Bears uh, after that. Uh, he was notably picked over Bruce Arians, who wanted to coach the Bears at the time. He made it very clear he wanted to coach the Bears. He was waiting on the Bears to give him his decision because he wanted to coach the Bears. Wanted to work with Jay Cutler. Like, what? <laughs> wanted to work with Jay Cutler. And also was coming off of winning coach of the year at Indianapolis. For you, those of you guys who don't know, he didn't get fired. He stepped in when Chuck Pagano had to go through those cancer treatments. Did a fantastic job in that year. And then he hits the, is about to get whatever head coaching job he wants. Thinks the Bears head coaching job is his. He's ready. He's ready to go. And they hire Mark Tressman from the CFL. What scares me about this is that I think the Bears were trying to make a more innovative move. And I think that concept of them thinking, oh, the innovative way went wrong, led to their next hire. But Reese, why don't why don't you give me your thoughts on the Mark Trestman hire? Yeah, originally. Well, Mark, uh, do you, I mean, do you remember how it felt like when when that news was announced? Dude, I I I remember how it felt like. I mean, it was definitely very sullen. You know, people were were shocked. Um, and I think Bruce Arians was, like you said, certainly the more obvious choice, and in the long run, definitely the better choice. But I would say that, you know, obviously there's some part of Mark Trestman's philosophy, at least that first year, that worked. Because, I mean, he made that, that team finish with a fairly strong record. But they're like 11 and 5, right? Yeah, they're pretty, pretty damn. I think they actually won the division. I think that's the last year that the Bears have won, or actually 2018. Before 2018. Yeah, before 2018, that was the last time they won the division. Um, I could be wrong. I, they won a playoff game that year, right? Yeah, I think they actually that was that was the last playoff win. Yeah, and that was 2013. Yes, I believe so. Or was was that 2012 or 2013? I think it was 2013. Honestly, I think it's actually either 2011 or 2013. I don't know. Oh, is it? I don't know. When it, 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 I know that the last time, like their last, it was stopped with the Packers. Like their last run, it was that conference championship game. Jay Cutler got hurt against the Packers. Yeah. And uh, what's his name had to step in. But anyway, besides the point, uh, really what lacked for Mark Trustman was leadership skills. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. if you could take someone like um, Mark Trustman and kind of mix them with a Matt Nagy, where it would actually be someone that could actually properly contain a locker room, maybe. I mean, Matt Nagy definitely lost it towards the end and, you know, Probably didn't do that well of managing as made seem, but still seemed to run a pretty tight ship. Mark Trussman did quite the opposite. Uh, Mark Trussman really lost that locker room. And his second year, there's just so many leaks and everything that came out of the Bears organization, which is just something you don't really expect from the Bears. And it was just such an ugly departure. And everything got so bad that Phil Emery had to come down with him um, as the GM. And that's kind of what actually brought in the whole the whole pace era. Yeah, and I I agree with you. Like he seemed like he had some elements to what he was doing that was correct. Obviously, that that kind of derailed later on, um, and he wasn't even able to keep an OC job with the Ravens right after that for very long at all. Um, 
But again, situation where the Bears just flat out looking at what the popular decision is, make the wrong decision. Coming off of, I mean, how how did you deem the firing of Lovey Smith at the time? I thought it was just as someone that like, I think the rest of the national media thought like, whoa, what the hell are you doing firing a coach at 10 and six? I think for Lovey Smith, it was just, okay, we've seen this so much so often. It's like, it was obvious we weren't going to get over to like the mm-hmm. other side of the bridge. Like we just, we on like an aging roster, right? Too. We hit our stopping point. So I think it was clear that the bears needed to change up, but they ultimately just, they dug themselves in a worse hole. You know, they kind of, they were yeah. in a very tedious position where it was, okay, we're a team that can borderline make the playoffs every year, kind of stuck at the eight and eight, kind of like Matt Nagy did in the middle of his coaching tenure. Um, you know, it was like, okay, we can push over to get to the other side and hopefully be real Super Bowl contenders, or we can fall flat on our face. And, you know, mm. at first it looked like they might have made the right we choice. Did the latter. But yeah, they did the latter ultimately. <laughs> okay. So then going into once Mark Tressman was fired, I remember that was just uh, kind of a breath of fresh air. I, I, I think everyone was expecting it at the time. Kind of similar to Matt Nagy, I would say, where it was just like, okay. I think you knew it from about five yeah. weeks out, you know? <laughs> Yep, and that was also the firing of our GM at the time. Uh, so it, it has a lot of similarities to the situation we are in currently. And this is when the Bears bring in Ernie Accorsi, right? It was this year, right? Or was was that the Trestman era? It was. The, I'm pretty sure it was the Fo- when Fox Fox was hired. Yeah, because I'm pretty um, sure they advised him to bring in Fox. Uh, I think. Yeah, that's Fo- what it was. Fox and Pace. Yeah, and uh, kind of a very si- similar situation right now as well where you bring in a guy that hasn't been in the NFL for a while. Um, You listen to him. He ends up bringing us Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace says, hey, I want Dan Quinn. And uh, they go, "Uh uh-uh, we want John Fox. And then they hire John Fox. Now, at the time, John Fox, this was kind of a different era of the NFL than now. Because I think it was a criticized hire um, for sure. But John Fox wasn't viewed awfully. I mean, he had a couple successful head coaching stunts, stints at both the Panthers and with Denver. Um, But I don't think he ever really operated a roster that was as poor as the Chicago Bears when he inherited it. Um, And it was also a time in the NFL where offense was changing. We weren't in the era that John Fox had really... Uh, made his money in. And I also think that this was also quite a criticized hire as well. Uh, nonetheless, the Bears and Corsi uh, were, was very insistent on it. Uh, and, and so it happened and Ryan Pace was stuck with uh, rebuilding the Bears as John Fox couldn't put together a decent offense. Actually, the first year with Gase, they did pretty well. Yes. Again, in which, a theme of first-year success. I think that actually marks an interesting point, at least for the people that, um, as far as head coach go, they don't want someone that's necessarily offense or defense. They want someone that's just a, a delegator of power, right? A leader of men, but he's going to delegate his power out as far as play calling responsibilities on both sides of the ball. Is that very much the first year John Fox did not look bad. I mean, um, Adam Gase and Jay Cutler were able to put together a pretty formidable offense. Adam Gase gets the opportunity with the Dolphins or the Jets at that time. I think it was the Dolphins. 
Yep, Dolphins. Yeah, and he gets an opportunity with the Dolphins. And then the Bears offense really starts to take a tumble downwards and doesn't recover the next two years. So with Dowell Loggins. Oh, oh man. <laughs> worst name ever. That that man literally ruined my life for two straight years. Which honestly, maybe it's not even a testament to not bringing in a leader of men or a, not a play caller on either side of the ball. Maybe it's just please make the competent hire at the assistant position because exactly one terrible offensive coordinator can really just ruin everything. And that's ultimately what happened over the course of Fox's tenure is just, it got, got very sour. I think the first year was positive and really what the Fox hire was, it was just a very, it was an overreaction, right? They, they brought in mm-hmm. Mark Trestman, the person that had very little, he had the CFL background, the Canadian football league background, and then they, they had to bring in the seasoned NFL vet in, in John Fox. Mm-hmm. The older guy has been around for a while, like you said. Um, went to the Super Bowl with both the Panthers and the Broncos. Just didn't win either title there. And um, mm-hmm. comes back and it starts off okay and turns sour. It was just, I think it was them just trying to play it. It was almost a safe route a little bit, right? Like John Fox was the safe, yeah. the safe pick. I think that a lot of it also had to do with all of the character issues that they were dealing with at the time. I mean, during Tressman's time, there were reports that guys like Brandon Marshall and uh, uh, Martellus Bennett were making coaches cry in the locker room. (laughs) So not that they, not that either of those guys are bad guys, but definitely a different culture. And I think that that was really what John Fox and Ryan Pace were brought in to do. And, they successfully did it, if we're being honest. They did issue in a new era of the Bears where we haven't had culture issues at all. We hadn't had really any complaints by players. Um, sometimes to a fault, I think, where they overlooked certain players because they were afraid of the potential uh, for them to bring issues into the locker room um, and maybe not drafting guys with a high enough level of edge to their play. But... Uh, they kind of were successful with that. I don't, in hindsight, I don't know how to think of the John Fox era. I obviously hated it, but I don't necessarily know how much more successful we would have been with another coach, uh, considering that really was an era of rebuilding. You know, uh, I think the biggest mistake with the John Fox era wasn't getting rid of him a year prior after, well, was he with us for four seasons or three seasons? I believe three seasons, right? Okay. Yeah. So getting rid of him after his second year, I think would have been the most appropriate response. Um, and then obviously they draft Trubisky and then they Fox does no clue what he's doing. And we all know how the story goes from there. Yeah, and, and I think that the situation that you saw, it was just very odd that it kind of happened back to back and um, kind of happened both with Pace's GM, um, well, not GM anymore, but the case where, you know, he goes and he picks the quarterback and then gets rid of the coach the year later, and then we pick the quarterback and then we're getting rid of the coach, and, of course, Pace was out then, um, but talking about Justin Fields and, and Pace being able to pick him on the last year, it's just... Not that Justin Fields is a terrible pick, and I think that he was the right pick for this team, and I'm glad that the Bears picked him up. But it's just very odd the way that such drastic decisions are sometimes made on the last year of a coaching tenure. Mm -hmm. And I can argue that for Fox, I think he was definitely kept for a year too long, and I think that Nagy was kept for a year too long as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Nagy should have been fired after last year. But then again, the head coaching crop wasn't that good. Not nearly as good as I feel like this year is. is. But then we get into the Matt Nagy hire, which was Ryan Pace's pick. Uh, they kind of moved really swiftly to get him. And at the time, I, I that a move that was beloved by the NFL. Like, if we're being completely honest. Like, that was in if you don't incorporate the hindsight look at it, the right move like that, like in the moment, like his background compared to the other coaches available, um, what he could do. I mean, especially compared to some of the other guys. I mean, we were talking, talking really about like Josh McDaniels and uh, Pat Shermer at the time who was with the Vikings. Um, He was, he was the right hire. Uh, there, There really is no way about it around it. Unfortunately, really none of the guys worked out so far. I mean, I guess Frank Reich has had a couple good seasons in Indy. Obviously, would rather have had him than Matt Nagy in hindsight, but he was kind of even an afterthought because Josh McDaniel stepped down randomly and Frank Reich, uh, which who wasn't really even... Uh, I, I would say he was kind of looked at as kind of like a, a similar to like Nathaniel Hackett in this um, in this coaching search where he's you ne- you didn't really know how much he had to do with that uh, really good Eagles offense at the time. Um, and then he just went in and he's done a much better job, obviously. But um, here's what I'm afraid of. We saw before the Bears, when they do a coaching change, they like to go in a drastically different di- di- uh, direction. I'm afraid that's what we're going to do. Because, yes, we didn't hit on Matt Nagy. But just because Matt Nagy didn't turn out to be the right coach doesn't mean the process was wrong in picking him. It doesn't mean that hiring the hotshot offensive coordinator is a bad idea. It's worked for a lot of other teams. It just turns out that the top hotshot offensive coordinator of that year didn't work out with the Bears. I don't necessarily think that means we shouldn't be heavily looking at a guy like, I don't know, Byron Leftwich or Brian Dable just because it didn't work out with Matt Nagy. And I am very afraid that's what the Bears organization is going to do. Yeah, I just, I don't know where else outside of Brian Flores, right? Currently with the current crop of Bear coaches, where else do you go? Like, do you really entertain the idea I don't know. How seriously do you think the Bears are entertaining the Eber Flus or a Leslie Frazier? Because I I feel like they're doing that is... Probably way too much. (laughs) Way more than they should be. (laughs) And I guess that scares me a little bit because I think that it's just odd for them to go in that direction right now. Especially since things are going at least all right. I think Bears fans can at least... I think a lot of Bears fans would say that things are going good on the defensive side of the ball. But I think almost all Bears fans can agree that things are going all right. And, and things at the very minimum went all right with this side this past year. Mm-hmm. Why don't you look towards the offensive side of the ball? I mean, that is clearly... Well, I think that's clear. If you're not going to get some super huge coaching name, like if it ultimately, if it isn't going to be a Brian Flores, if it... And it doesn't seem very likely at all that it'd be a Jim Harbaugh at this point. Or Sean Payton or right. something crazy. Or, or like something that. like that. Then why aren't you looking at the offensive names? It, it, that's just in my logic. That's how it feels. Well, here's the thing that a lot, I feel like a lot of people still don't understand is that, sure, there are teams where you look at like what they have going on in New England where Bill Belichick was a defensive head coach. Mike Tomlin defensive head coach yeah a lot of these high-end guys do end up being defensive head coaches that being said 
they have done a much better job of surrounding themselves with assistants who are offering the team stability uh, at minimum at that uh, at that offensive coordinator position than many teams have in the past. It's just it's plain it's point and simple that when you have a team that has a defensive head coach, you are asking for a lot of instability on offense. And it's not really a good situation to develop a quarterback in. Luckily in New England, it seems like Josh McDaniels is trying to be the successor to Bill Belichick. So I I think that's why they've been able to keep him around there. And he also seems like he's a much better coordinator than head coach. But for the most part, good offensive coordinators in the NFL are... uh, Few and far between, you know, there, there's not a lot of them. Uh, I mean, we've seen the instability that the Seahawks have struggled to find on their offense, even though they have a guy like Russell Wilson. We've seen the instability that, you know, even like the Steelers have had, obviously a lot of that's due to Big Ben's uh, decline. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, if you don't have that elite level quarterback in the moment, it just doesn't seem like the right direction. And we've talked to that, like, the main thing that the Bears need to do right now is develop Justin Fields. Because the Bears have never had as good of a quarterback prospect as Justin Fields, ever. They've never had one as good as Justin Fields. Uh, he is the best prospect the Bears have ever had and the best shot we've ever had at a franchise QB. Um, I guess like the one person you could say is maybe like Jay Culler when he came through the trade. But really, I mean... It's just Justin Fields has been a superstar his entire life, was a superstar in college, was a superstar in high school, and is looking like he is showing superstar traits at the NFL level. You need to find a head coach that's going to maximize that. I would trade going, you know, seven and nine each of the next three years as long as Justin Fields develops. Because I understand that at that point, if we think something's wrong with the coach, whatever, we can move on, we can find something else. We have an elite QB. It won't be that hard to find. But if we get in a guy like, and, and we're we're about to move on to the head coach request, but a guy like Leslie Frazier, I mean, that's that's three steps back. That's three steps back. I mean, we are going back to the John Fox era, and our best case scenario is that by some miracle, Justin Fields develops by himself without the help of a coaching staff because he is not going to get that from whoever Leslie Frazier brings in. I'm sorry. That, that's just the that's the truth. If we hire Leslie Frazier, in my mind, that brings my confidence in Justin Fields becoming a franchise QB, which is really high right now. Really, really high right now. Down to below 50% for sure. Way, way below 50%. Maybe even below 30%. Yeah, and I know exactly where you're coming from. I think really the point that we're both trying to hit at, and you basically expressed this earlier, is... The Bears just can't get in the game of what they've been doing recently and just doing the opposite of what they did before. (laughs) Like, that's just not the correct strategy. I think that over this would be the overreaction that they did from Trustman to John Fox. You know, they can't can't just sloop like uh, go back into those old ways. And yeah, it'd be tough. I, I think clearly. The front-running candidates, at least in my mind, have always been, you know, the Dabble, the Ryan Left, Byron Leftwich, these offensive-minded guys. I think that those are 
those are the one A, one B, and everything else so on in my mind. I think the Leslie Frazier on the list. I think that's you know someone that I expect to be at the very bottom. But we don't know. We can only presume what's going on in their heads. And the weird part of it, and you know, I applaud the help for or I applaud the Bears for acknowledging the fact that they don't know what they're doing as far as football operations go at the top and bringing in an outside <laughs> consultant. And, you know, I get that there's some positive aspects. I know that Bill Pulling is a Hall of Fame executive, all this and all that. But it's always just really weird. And the Bears are just kind of expressing that right now. And everyone is so buddy-buddy. that Like, oh, okay, Bill Pulling and, like, Brian Dabble. Like, oh, he's, you know, friends with, you know, Bill Pulling's kids. It's like everyone has to have a relationship to this man. And it's just... It's just very weird. That's how it always ends up. You know, it's like, oh, we're bringing in the Eber flukes. And it's like, okay, we're bringing him for an actual interview and doing all this and all that. And it's like, yeah, he's someone that's good. And the Indianapolis defense is very good. But is he really the right move for now? And I I, I don't think it, it is. I mean, we're looking at a defense that's going to start sliding back the wrong way in an offense that has a lot of potential but needs a real strong offensive coach to to untap that potential. So, uh, just so much to, so much for them to do. And, and, you know, I applaud them for bringing in the whole, whole array of coaches that they could, but hopefully when they narrow things down, we start to see that, that clearer vision that we're hoping for. We just have to hope that Ernie, of course, even though he hasn't been in the NFL recently, that he's kept up with the trends. Um, <laughs> we're still, I, we're still worried about Ernie, of course. Or, sorry. <laughs> Bill Polian, Bill Polian. Uh, we just have to hope that he's kept up with the trends because I don't have a lot of faith that he has. Um, of course, it's one like, of I the, don't under- well, it's kind of like a half appalling bad take and it's kind of like he's still kind of right because Lamar definitely isn't the best throwing quarterback, but you know, yeah. he's very famously went out there and said that he's going to be a wide receiver. So yeah. I guess take that as you will. Yeah. That's a that's a good way to say it. And I also have to question why if every time you need to fire your GM, you need to go hire an outside consultant, you need to get a new president or you need to get a director of football ops because you shouldn't have to do that. You should have somebody that understands the issues of the team at an in-depth level. They are proving every single time that they need that additional level of accountability with a president. That's why I actually like the idea of Ryan Pace potentially becoming a director of football ops or the president or whatever it may be. Cause it's like, you just, you need someone in the organization that knows what they are doing right now. We have a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing. Uh, the, the best person probably being soup Campbell who actually understands the player's feelings. I hope to God that when Leslie Frazier steps in that interview, once that interview wraps up and he leaves, Soup Campbell goes, yeah, the players are going to lose their minds if if he if he's our head coach. Because that's what's going to happen. Nobody in the Bears wants Leslie Frazier as the head coach, besides potentially the McCaskies, who apparently can't get over 1985. They love him, man. He's a former Bear. I, all Bears fans, if we hire Leslie Frazier... All Bears fans need to forget that 1985 even even happened because I swear to God, I feel like 1985, us winning the Super Bowl there and us constantly living in the nostalgia of 1985 and all, and you know, every, every player there or even talking back to like 2006 and the way we were like, 
we need to drop it. You know, we need to stop going, oh, we're going to go back to 1985 where, where we uh, didn't even have, like, like we're, you know, throwing the ball was a sin in that era. You know, it's like, it's frustrating. It's, it's so frustrating. And I have zero faith that this is going to work out. Who who are you talking to that's talking about 2006? (laughs) (laughs) I, I really like, you know. As great as it was to make a Super Bowl that year, you know, it's just just talking about old players. I guess like that's the big oh, thing is like you got to like when the you got old way, positive the to old, talk about now. You know, you got to. the the old way we used to do things. You know, like it's just like can we just live in the right now? And the right now has been three atrocious head coaches. Let's hop on the next podcast. We'll do it all about Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson. You know. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's just go ahead and move on. Um, let's talk about the coaching candidates because I know we've been talking down about the McCaskies, and it's because we truly have no reason that we should believe that they're going to make a proper decision. Uh, that being said, the Bears have actually put together a fairly good list of coaching candidates. Um, and I was thinking what we should just do right now is read through each one of them, you know, give our thoughts on it, give how we would view the hire if it happens, um, and move on from there. So first off, we've already kind of mentioned it, so let's just get it over with Leslie Frazier. Yeah, I, was, I wouldn't be ecstatic. I mean, I I get that this is a a defense a defensive city. You know, the, you know, playing for the Chicago Bears is always going to be about defense. I, I get that, and and running the ball and being a physical team. And you know, as much as I respect the writers like Dan Pompey, um, someone who's a very distinguished beat reporter for the Chicago Bears and, you know, writes for the athletic now and has a really good opinion and beat on the team. I just can't help but disagree on some of the things that I've read from him recently, really kind of saying that the Bears have to get back to this, you know, kind of gritty identity. Like, nah, like this is the exact opposite, you know, bad mentality. Um, I, I think Leslie Frage is a great person. I think that, you know, what or a great, you know, great coordinator as well has an eye for defense but i just absolutely do not think that he's the right move for this team right now um and i know that he's been around the league for a while so he could certainly assemble a couple coordinators but i don't think he has this you know amazingly huge web to to draw from yeah and i'm not even gonna you know shit on leslie frazier because he's a defensive coach or you know even though he had a, a stint with another team that didn't go too well i think the biggest thing is just like i feel like in this era you just kind of need a younger head coach you know like he leslie frazier 62 years old um and right now players are really looking for teams that have younger guys like sean mcveigh and even when matt Nagy's first year a lot of people liked that hiring because he was younger and more in touch with players at the time yeah um I think that's the direction the NFL is heading. And, you know, some of the guys we're even looking at, at GM, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, he's 32 years old. You know, it's like, I just, it doesn't seem like the right time. You know what this would remind me of uh, significantly is uh, the Sox when they hired their their new manager. (laughs) Yeah, Tony La Russa, right? 
Um, I just think it would be a terrible hire. I, I did a little bit of homework on him. Um, and I, I watched a video of Minnesota fans re, re, uh, reacting to his firing. And it just reminded me so much of John Fox getting fired for the Bears. It's just like, finally, you know. Um, but the, the thing that scares me is that he's consistently been linked back to Chicago. I don't know if that's just because... It probably is because he played for us uh, on that 1985 team that won the Super Bowl. Um, and like in the past, the Bears haven't been partial to ex-players in any sort of situation. So that's a good sign. But the thing that scares me the most, and uh, this is from Jason LaConfora, and I, I don't recommend listening to him. And if you want to get a little more information on uh, LaConfora, you can uh, l- look at the documents released uh that from the Washington owners uh, investigation to get a little more insight on him. He has a an interesting past to say the least, uh, but he, he called uh, Leslie Frazier, a Tony Dungy like coach. And who is the bears consultant? No, Bill, Bill Pullian, the man who hired, who hired Tony Dungy and Tony Dungy was a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I don't think if Tony Dungy was hired for the Chicago Bears tomorrow, I don't think he'd do a good job either. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that not that a executive should always be punished for like a first round draft pick turning out well, but Bill Polian gets a lot of credit for his success that he got from drafting Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah. does Tony Dungy, does he have a Super Bowl ring without Peyton Manning? Yeah, probably not. Um, and I, I get that, you know, I'm not sure that, trying to totally discredit Tony Dungy here, but I, I think that he's someone that he has a lot going on. He does a lot of things as far as being a good person and, and trying to do things in, in that right big diversity and inclusion type person, which is a, a step that you kind of have to take in today's world. But I don't, I don't know if Leslie Frazier is really, really the next Tony Dungy, or if the Bears really need to be looking for a Tony Dungy type head coach in twenty twenty two. Completely agree. All right, Doug Peterson. By the way, I wanted to mention Leslie Frazier actually has his interview Friday. I think it's interesting that he hasn't been one of the more quicker interviews. And I feel like that's a good sign is that he's kind of like one that they're kind of leaving for last um, or they're like pushing. They might have pushed off potentially um, compared to some of the other guys, which I kind of like. Uh, but Doug Peterson, he completed his interview. One of the first guys interviewed, man, I, I, I can't say that I would be like, like thrilled with the hire, but I would feel like we were in pretty good hands. I'd be fairly confident. He, you know, he had an interesting fallout with the Eagles, a lot of disagreements. Um, geez, the Eagles GM, I can't, Howie, whatever his name is. Who, what's the Eagles GM's name? Oh man. Yeah. Howie. God. Roseman, Howie Roseman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's kind forget? of dumb. Yeah. He's kind of dumb and he, he's done a, not a great job. Um, and he kind of wanted to dictate a lot of decisions uh, for Doug Peterson. I think that was a big reason for his fallout there with the Eagles. Um, so I, you know, he's had success as a, as a head coach. He's probably learned a lot from that. He's done a, he did a good job hiring assistants there as well. Um, and he brought a Super Bowl to a city with Nick Foles. I mean, you have to think that's, 
not not too bad. They had a great defense there too, and uh, honestly, a pretty good offensive line, which certainly helped. But I think that you know, kind of having that realization is going to help him realize what he'd need to enforce here. I think that Doug Peterson is really a solid six and a half out of ten higher here. Um, I don't think yeah. he's blowing. I'd blowing, say seven, blowing the doors. I, off. I'm giving him. A, I'm giving him a B, a straight B for a higher grade okay yeah i'd say like b b minus i think that he's definitely not the worst pick and i don't think that really the criticism that oh he's just like naggy you know just because he's another assistant from the reed the reed tree i don't think that's a proper criticism and i think he's obviously someone that you know sure he comes from that tree but he also he actually even won the super bowl before andy reed did um so I think that he's someone that at least has a leadership ability to take the team all the way to the top. And like you say, he did it with Nick Foles. So sure. You know, you got to give him a little bit extra props for that as well. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, and, and another thing that a lot of people forget about is that Eagles team had a lot of aging vets on it, but like right after they, uh, won that Super Bowl. I mean, they had, uh, the, the other Bennett brother, um, Michael Bennett, they had, uh, Chris Long, um, they, they had a bunch of aging veterans. I mean, Jason Peters, look how old he is now I and mean, he's still playing, but still, um, so that could have also partially been a, a piece of the downfall there. Um, so something to keep in mind, Brian Dable, uh, he was recently interviewed. I want to say he might've been interviewed yesterday or I think it was Monday or Sunday, uh, one of the two. But he put on an absolute clinic versus the Patriots, man. Like, their offense just looked so good. And I've been paying a lot of attention to Dable. And the the most intriguing thing about Dable is, firstly, he developed a quarterback. He developed Josh Allen, so you have a little bit of faith there. Uh, And Josh Allen was a lot more raw of a prospect than someone like uh, Justin Fields is. Um, so that that is very impressive and on his resume. The second thing is listening to a lot of people that you know know him. They say that he does he like created his own offense and he does a really good job of adapting an offense around his players, which is just something that I think is like the biggest issue with Matt Nagy's tenure yeah. with his offense is never adapting his offense around his players. And you know, Justin Fields, if you can develop an offense around Justin Fields, man, that's going to be explosive. Uh, and there are a lot of similarities now with Justin Fields and Josh Allen with the arm strength, uh, with the scrambling ability, big play ability, um, everything like that. And, and Brian Dable putting up top in the past three years, like top uh, five offenses with not that many great players. I mean, obviously you have Josh Allen, but like, and you have Stefan Diggs, but like, who else do you have? I mean, you have who's on the offensive line? <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, who's like 34 now. Um, you know, I just, I think a guy that if you're looking at and, and a very safe pick, in my opinion, like a very safe pick. I'd agree. I think he's probably, I think the, I could definitely see the Bears hiring Brian, Brian Dabble, Dable. You know, mm-hmm. however, da, da, double, which honestly cannot. Yeah. Now that we've pointed that out, a little sidetrack. The fact that we've finally been seeing a lot of <laughs> tweets about it, the dabble to the bears. You know, I, I our have, lawyers will be in contact. Yeah, with exactly. I have to say, say that I think we can track that back probably at least a month now. Um, yeah, that we've said. Oh that, yeah, we so. can go way back. Ex- we can go way. Exactly. Anyone that wants to get in a legal battle with us, we can take you 
way back. We got the receipts <laughs> for it, you know. Yeah, we got the receipts. Yeah. We, it's trademarks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think uh, that I can certainly see the Bears going after Dable. Um, I, I think that you know, like you said, what he did with Josh Allen certainly remarkable. I, I, I didn't think Josh Allen would turn out as good as he did. Um, so Me I neither. think that's certainly. I watched him play Iowa in college, and he looked terrible. Yeah. I think I've said it multiple times too. I've watched him play against NIU and, and he did not look good. So even it wasn't even it had to be against a top shelf program. Um, but like you said, a very raw talent, someone that da- uh, Dabble really kind of did a lot of work on and, and, and turned out very well. And I think that, like you said, with Fields and, and uh, Josh Allen, where there's some similarities is, yeah, they have some pretty similar tendencies as far as just hanging on to the ball um, I think that kind of they can be a little bit inaccurate at times, but the deep ball is always on point. Um, and there's obviously a lot of strengths, a lot of athletic ability to build off of as well. So you can build a very formidable offense off of that and around that. And, you know, Matt Nagy, like you said, did not bring those adjustments and, you know, dabble. Maybe, maybe that is the extreme change for the better though. that the bears need is just someone that can really make adjustments and, you know, this is a Bears team these past four years that never changed at halftime. Um, and for personnel-wise, like you said, did not change the personnel packages heading into these formations. So it would be a, certainly a breath of fresh air on those lines. And when you're talking about Brian Dable, he the, the biggest question I have with Dable is how does he go from a coordinator to a head coach and take on that new level of responsibility? I, I do not have any, really any concern with him bringing a formidable offense. Like, I would be shocked if he didn't put together at least a top 20 offense every year if he has good talent on the team and with Justin Fields. Um, the issue you wonder is like, okay, you, I, you don't know a lot about him. Like, is he that leadership guy? Will he be able to? How does he do everything else that is required of being a head coach? Um, but as far as like creativity and, and scheme and, and fit, I think he'd be a great hire. And I'd almost rather, I would almost rather bet on someone that I know has a good scheme than rather a pure leadership type, you know, like I I think that leadership is something that's a lot easier to get than a lot of other traits and all the offensive players on the bills love him. Absolutely love him. So it's like. I, I think I think he's gonna be a good head coach, man. Yeah, and uh, I I mean I certainly know that 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 playoff game this weekend made an impression on the Bears just just from following the team and knowing kind of how they can how an impression can be made on them. I think that having that that first perfect game, if you will, you know, they certainly took note of that, um, and certainly was something that they wanted to touch on, you know, in the interview following that playoff matchup. So. I, I think that the Bears are probably very enthused with that. If I could presume, I feel like he will almost certainly be kind of in the final three of candidates. But, you know, then again, I'm, I'm no insider. <laughs> George Wickassie's like, ah, it's the Patriots. They didn't win a Super Bowl until 2002. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways. All right, next one, Nathaniel Hackett. He's also been completed. I have concerns with Nathaniel Hackett. Um because we just don't really know what he does. He's under an offensive head coach. Um, he 
he doesn't play call. So that's also the question. I mean, that was a huge issue with Nagy. But what I do know is that he's been along with some pretty impressive transformations. He was the uh, he was the offensive play caller of those Jags teams that went on uh, some runs in the playoffs with Blake Bortles, which making Blake Bortles a calf decent, I think, is a miracle in and of itself. Um, and I think that he's a guy that's gotten better along the way. Aaron Rodgers loves him, which is like a, a very difficult thing to get you know Uh, Aaron Rodgers really likes him Uh, a lot of Packers beat reporters like him I really just don't know too much about him and it's going to be a little bit of a question mark but I think he's like right there with like maybe that B minus on a hiring with Dable I I would give Dable a straight A I think Nathaniel Hackett if I'm not getting out of an offensive mind if I'm not getting Byron Leftwich or Brian Dable I'm probably looking at Nathaniel Hackett yeah, I really just don't even know what grade I can put on Nathaniel Hackett. It was a name that I even floated out there a while ago when we first started doing like some head coach murmurings, and his name didn't really kind of pop up until you know really the coaching cycle really started. You know, he wasn't really in the buildup um, too much. I mean, I, his name floated around a little bit, but I, I just yeah, it, from what you said as far as confidence wise and his ability and and not knowing exactly how he would be as a play caller or who he would bring in around him, it, it, it's tough. Um, you know, certainly like you said, having been on some staffs that have done good work, you know, Jacksonville Blake Bortles. I'm not a huge Blake Bortles hater, but also I I will say that, you know, making making that team, you know, decent is is a feat in itself and, you know, similar to to with the Chicago Bears as well. Um, But I I think that it's just not the right time. I I don't think it's the right time for the Bears to go out and make a move like that. Um, I could be completely off base. I'm not sure how he's interviewing, which is a part that we don't get to see that makes a huge yeah. difference, which is, huge is how they difference. interview. Um, but unless he's an amazing interviewer, I don't see him becoming the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I, I agree with that. Um, all right, next one, Todd Bowles. We still have not yet to see him interview with the Bears. Uh, for for Bulls, listen, he is a great defensive coordinator. He does a lot of great things as far as player development goes. People love him as a leader. Absolutely love him as a leader. Uh, but he does have that jet stint hangover his head. That being said, uh, there's been a lot of good coaches that went to the Jets and weren't able to catch their footing and leave because that Jets organization has kind of been in shambles. Uh, and he never really had the personnel there either. Like he He really didn't. So... Listen, with Bulls, if we're going for a defensive guy, obviously my top pick is Brian Flores. But I don't think Todd Bowles would be a terrible pick either. Truthfully. I I I wouldn't be ecstatic. Like that would be in like the C minus range for me. But um, you know, I I, I think Todd Bowles it could be a good coach somewhere. Yeah, I think Todd Bowles, I, I don't mind Todd Bowles at all, and I don't really hang what he did with the Jets on him too much. I'm you know, kind of in the feeling that you know they really just kind of need a whole, they need a, a similar change to the Bears where they have really some structural you know issues from top to bottom, um, and it just really reflects down, I think, almost even at a worse level um, with that franchise. But I think Todd Bowles, 
isn't the perfect man for the job. I don't think he'd be terrible though. I think that, you know, he might be in that, that B minus grade territory as well, Mm. where I think that I personally, I'd almost even, I think between him and Flores would be close in my mind. It's just at least how I feel. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm not a, I think what he's done. And of course he's got a lot of great personnel on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, but Still, he's gone through a decent amount of adversity, too, with injuries and all that. I think he's consistently been been able to put together a great scheme as far as defensively. Really good pass rushing unit with not all that great. I mean, obviously, they have like Vita Vea. Uh, he's really too i mean but he kind of got more out of jpp than what people thought anyone would ever get out of exactly you know and and what you said about player development being a leader i think is also true so i think that um i I think that he'd have a great impact on the bears team Uh, but the question would be right like you said what do you do about those offensive inconsistencies um which is just it, it if he, I may, I feel uncomfortable going out there and having any ideas that aren't offensive minded head coach just for that reason and and for what this team has been through. Um, but I, I really couldn't be overly upset with a Todd Bowles hire. Well, and here's the thing with an offensive head coach: they can walk into the building and be like, "Okay, the defense is working. Let's just keep this high." If you're a defensive head coach, you walk in, you're like, "Okay, this is my defensive unit." And for offense, you're in shambles. Who do we pick? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you don't have that like known there. Um, so, yeah, that brings us to the next guy, Byron Leftwich. Byron might be my top candidate. Um, I like I just like him a lot. I, I mean, Tom Brady loves him. The players love him. He seems like a really good leader ex-quarterback i don't know if you've ever uh at least for our listeners i don't know if you guys have ever seen the game where he literally broke his leg and was playing in a game and going in and throwing his touchdowns and carrying him <laughs> yeah and, and and calling like calling out the team at halftime like he seems like a guy that could be a, a true leader head coach um the big question with byron is like how much is arians helping with that offense my guess is he is probably having a good amount to say but that being said byron's the play caller byron's the play caller like this isn't a matt Nagy situation he's been the play caller for two years um he was pretty good under arians with arizona as well um i know he doesn't have extensive coaching experience but that's mostly because he was a player for so long i just i i think that his scheme deep downfield passing like and even like people want to say, oh, he like what about Tom Brady? Tom Brady, yes, Tom Brady is a huge benefit, but Tom Brady's hitting some accolades he's never hit before under Byron, and also on top of that, uh, he also elevated Jameis Winston quite a bit as well. Um, one could say even arguably better than Sean Payton did with the with the Saints. So, I think Byron Leftwich would be a home run hire if if we hire him. That's an A plus for me. Yeah, I really, I mean, I've always liked Byron Leftwich throughout the process, and he's always been my top or one of the top guys throughout the whole process. So none of that's really changed. I think that along with him up there and by Dabble are, are probably, you know, the two guys I think that really should be eyeing. Um, I think with Byron Leftwich, I think for the doubters, I, I think that really it is that Jameis season where it's, you know, look at that production that he still got out of of Jameis yeah. Winston, even in his first year there too. In his in his first year, calling plays and even with all those turnovers, still managed to hit all those offensive 
um, kind of achievements. So it, it really is quite unbelievable. I think that he has developed in someone. I think that Bruce Arians, sure, is it a little bit? Of, is it someone that he can lean on? Yeah, but at the same time, that's that's something great where Bruce Arians is kind of like a wealth of knowledge that he can tap into. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that he's someone that's that's been around a lot of great football minds, and I think that he is one himself. I like you said, I don't think his leadership abilities can be questioned. Um, I, I think that a lot of people would have respect for him. The question is, is can they can they swim away from like a Jacksonville, who's gonna be the team that he played most of his career as quarterback on? You know, they're certainly gonna want to, I think, keep him. Um, I'm sure he's probably one of their top candidates. So. We'll see how that ends up going, but you know, certainly I think the Bears are uh, at least a decent place to end up as a head coach. So I don't think he would turn down the offer. Well, I I, I feel like I think he would choose the Bears over Jacksonville. I, I think I, unless just based there's on just like some former player by. I mean, there really wouldn't. That be, would be the only thing. Like, yeah. how dedicated is he to them? Exactly. That'd be the only thing. Of course, I mean, they do have Trevor Lawrence and. You know, sure, you can give him the edge over Justin Fields. I'm not really here to get into Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields debate. Not like it's like 2020, man. That That's an unbelievable feeling heading into that final year of college football where they really seem like the one and two. And then, of course, Trey Lance and um, who else went blanking on? Oh, Mac Jones really kind of popped up and entered the conversation. But and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. I knew I was forgetting someone. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Too. <coughs> um, well, I think the Jaguars are a little more intrigued by – this next guy, Matt Eberflus, who was just requested for his second interview there. Um, Eberflus has done a fantastic job with the, with the Colts' defense. Like They way overperformed their talent, specifically last year. When the Bears played them, we just looked like a joke of a franchise, which we are, but uh, he, he really put that on full display there, just getting a lot out of players who, you know, even guys like Zay... Uh, Xavier Rhodes, who kind of went there to get a second stint in their career, he put into successful positions. Um, listen, I, I I think that Eberflus could be a good guy. A lot of people uh, say he's a good culture guy. Like he he de- depends a lot on his players and expects a lot of them. Biggest issue again, defensive guy. I I would prefer an offensive guy, but um, and that's the thing is like to me, if it's not Brian Flores, I really don't want a defensive guy. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, I think Eberflus is, like you said, he's done a lot with not all that much. I, I'm just not 100% like, oh, we absolutely need to get this man, you know. And, um, you know, I said what I said about Todd Bowles. I just, Eberflus wouldn't be my first choice as far as the defensive-minded people go. And maybe I'm just biased. I'm just not a huge Colts fan. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I just don't know what it is. I just I don't feel like the Bears need to seek out any of their – any of their real coaches at this point, to be honest, I don't think they need to fully try to emulate the Colts. I don't think the Colts are a team that need to be emulated. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make a difference on Ebro Flues. I mean, uh, it's a person we're talking about him as a head coaching candidate. And he obviously does bring a lot of great qualities, but I, I don't know, just something about him does not feel, feel right for this team. Um, and especially, I just think the, the defensive, um, my head coach isn't the perfect fit for this team right now. And I don't see anything that'd be like, okay, like this, even though a defensive mind head coach maybe isn't optimal, Matt Eberflus is this that really mm-hmm. makes you feel like you still need to consider him. 
Yeah, of course. He should be considered, and the interview would be very important for him. Uh, he'd be a solid, like, C hiring yeah, in my at book. least in my mind. Um, okay, Brian Flores. Now, this is a guy that's been heavily linked to Chicago. Apparently, the Bears, he had a really good interview with us. Um, and I think that he's kind of like the guy that the Bears are looking for, truthfully. Like, I think that the McCaskies are looking for a no-nonsense guy, uh, someone that's going to get the program in great shape. And listen, like, I think the McCaskies just even over prioritizing offense, right or wrong, they just want to win more games. And Brian Flores did a tremendous job in Miami with that. I mean, you look at Miami's roster, not good. <laughs> not very good, in my opinion. Uh, like, even with Tua, you know, the fallout with Tua and Jalen everything. Waddle. Yeah, but he's, like, the new guy and wasn't he injured a couple games this year. And um, Jalen Waddle's good, but it's, like, who who else? I mean, they, they have... Uh, Devonta Par- or Devontae Parker. Yeah, I got... Yeah, but, like... Again, like these these aren't these aren't big time names. Um probably two receivers I'd take over Allen Robinson, although they are both <laughs> equally as Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, of course, but um not Devontae Parker. <laughs> um a- anyways though, with Flores, uh, a lot of people are saying that his the big reason why he started hating Tua was because of his work ethic and he just expected more than from him than he than Tua ever provided. Um listen. Flores is a great head coach. I mean, obviously winning wasn't the issue there because he uh, like brought to the Dolphins winning uh, uh, way more winning than they did in the past. You know, he he was a good head coach. He had a what eleven and eleven and five season or something or a ten and six season with them just a year ago. Yeah. He won nine out of his last eight games. Like I, I I don't think winning was ever the issue with Flores. I think it was disagreements with management, disagreements with Tua. And that's why he ended up leaving. Now, the question is, what does he need in order for that to not happen here? Does he need to have roster control? Because then it's like, okay, that's kind of a little bit questionable. Or do we just need to build something around him? That Dolphins organization is known to be pretty dysfunctional. Um, Maybe that was just the issue. But at the end of the day, the players loved him. Okay, players were very upset when he was fired. Uh, And more so, he won games. The question, the the my now my own personal biggest question with Flores is, what's his plan for assembling an offensive staff? Because he didn't have much success with it in Miami at all. Yeah, and it would just be a stability question. I think the coordinator turnover is is something to be fearful of, and you know I talk about that with a young quarterback constantly to just have that consistency as far as what what they're hearing and their development instead of getting a bunch of different voices all the time. Um, I think that's, that's really the main red flag for Flores, right? I mean, I don't think there's anything else that really jumps out at you is that you need to stay away from other than um, the stability at coordinators and, you know, maybe a little bit of, especially on the offensive side of the ball with that. Um, But as far as, like you said, from what the bears are talking about in the press conference to the type of coach that they want, the leader, um, I think you even said no nonsense that it, it lines up to be Brian Flores. It almost seems like they're trying to talk themselves into to Brian Flores in that situation, mm-hmm. even before um, that really situation fully, you know, 
for, I agree. Yeah, even for it a ha- in the press conference, the way they were describing their like leader of men doesn't necessarily have to be likable. Like we're not going to show bias to offense or defense. So I was like, man, that's that's Brian Flores right there for you, the, the guy that's going to win you games. So you know, I could see it, there's, there's a reason why um, you know as far as odds go and all that that he's one of the top names up there. There's also a little bit of guesswork going on with that as well, uh, at least the way it seems with me. But um, yeah, Definitely. It, it's uh, it's it's a certain possibility, and I think the fact that you heard positive things on the interview. Um, leads things to go that way. I think I don't, as far as Byron left, which I, I, we haven't heard an incredible amount of buzz in this city, uh, but the buzz about Flores and the buzz with uh, Dabble, yeah, it kind of seems like those are the two that are really jumping out right now. And maybe, maybe who will come down to at the end of this whole process, but I'm, I'm not one to predict. Yeah. And I'm just going to skim over the last two names so we can get into the GM request. So this podcast isn't three hours long. Uh, (laughs) um, But uh, we just have Dan Quinn and Jim Campbell. Uh, I don't know about you, or sorry, Jim Caldwell. Uh, I don't know about you, but those would be very underwhelming hires to me. I think it looks like Dan Quinn's going to head to Denver. Um, That that seems to be like a, a big link that keeps popping up. Um, but I, I think both of those would be like, you know, D D grades for me. I think Dan Quinn is, is probably going to be a good head coach somewhere again, or at least a solid head coach somewhere again. His last like three years with the Falcons though were just awful. Yeah. There's no getting around that either, but you know what, (laughs) you know what though too, like, is there, I, I feel like I might be in the minority for this, but Matt Ryan kind of has to be one of the most underwhelming quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, I agree. You know, like yeah. we always expect so much and we always get so little uh, from Matty Ice. But yeah, and then Jim Caldwell. Yeah, why? Why Why? Why Jim Caldwell? You know, I, I think that if I had to pick from those two. Another sure. guy hired from Bill Polian when he was with the Colts, I think. It's unbelievable that that name would even come up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about the general managers. Now, this is going to be a little bit... Um, listen, I'm just going to read through these names, um, and then we can talk about a couple guys that I want to bring up because it's so much more difficult um, here. But Morocco Brown, this guy seems to be someone that's really well-respected and interviewed well. Um, really well-respected for his scouting ability within the Colts organization. Uh, really, really... Uh, Really well respected by Colts GM, blank has name, Chris something. Ballard. Yeah, Chris Ballard. Uh, and then we have another uh, Colt, uh, Colt, the Colts assistant GM at Dodds, uh, who, is, who is also pretty equally respected by Chris Ballard. Um, but I, I think a lot of people focus more on Morocco Brown as far as his scouting ability um, and maybe a higher upside guy, whereas... Ed Dodds has been, you know, constantly requested for interviews. Um, so, like, there's that. Uh, any thoughts on these Colts guys? I mean, I, I would be happy with really either one of them. Basically, just a lot of respected guys on this list, huh? Just <laughs> a lot of people with a lot of respect around the league. Uh, a couple of guys I'm like, uh, I don't know about. Yeah, I hear you. Um, between Morocco Brown and Dodds, I think that's a it's a – as a tough call there 
Um, I, I think Morocco Brown is a lot of not to say that if you're going to hire someone like Morocco Brown, then why did you get rid of Ryan Pace? But it's like, is the next GM, are they really just looking for an elite like drafter? Because mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily what they need to have. I think it needs to just be a little bit better on the team management standpoint. So maybe that is where you go with Ed. Um, I think that they're both very quality candidates. I think that they're, you know, there's a reason why they're put on this list. Not only their relation to Bill Polian, um, but they're both well-deserving of the opportunity. So I can't say I'd be overly upset with Ehler. I, I mean, my inclination, inclination is to lean a little bit more towards Morocco Brown. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I understand where the the rest of the league has kind of been looking as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think I'd probably personally favor Morocco Brown uh, just because of that scouting background. Um, and the words that Chris Ballard has said about him. Let's look, move on to the guys from the Browns. Uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, who we talked about previously, and Glenn Cook. We don't need to hit on them for too long because we talked about them last, last podcast. One thing I want to mention, I found out that Kwesi is very focused on analytics uh, and not so much a scouting guy. I don't really want an analytics guy, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, analytics in the past, the Browns previously tried to run their organization with analytics. Um, didn't work out too well on that side. And you'd also really need to build a good scouting crew around him. Uh, but I heard that Glenn Cook uh, had a really good interview with the Bears and is in high consideration. Um, he's a VP of player personnel. I, I, I would be fine with Glenn Cook. I don't know much about him. Uh, I don't know about you, Reese. Yeah, I don't know overly as much about them, but I will speak a little bit on analytics. I think that um, do analytics have their place in football? I think yes. I think analytics have a place in just about every sport. Um, but at the same time, I think an over-dedication to analytics in football can be costly. There's a lot of things just football is way too variable to really boil it down to a bunch of numbers. I mean, it, it analytics work better in a sport like baseball where it's a little bit, um, you know, it's really easy to isolate the individual impact of a player Um, in football that can become very convoluted. It's tough to read into that or to kind of make it, you know, mathematical or scientific. I mean, football is a lot of feeling, a lot of instinct. Um, So I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, there's a certain side of it that needs to be taken into account. And when you look at someone like Glenn Cook, that's got the, you know, player personnel background, I don't think that's a terrible route for the Bears to go. Um, I think that that's Mm -hmm. something that they can certainly um, improve on. And I think that, you know, mentioned this a little bit earlier as far as analytics go, um, and what you said with the kind of the past decisions that Brown's made, he, he, he rely on analytics. You can make some peculiar decisions that will cost you. Um, and I, I think that's something that you should factor in. Um, but yeah, if that's really kind of the main thing, and ultimately with someone like Questy, you're talking about someone that's very traditional with Bill Polian. It's almost kind of funny that he brought in someone that's a very strong analytics background. It just doesn't seem like someone that Bill Polian would advise to bring in. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of these GMs are giving me a little bit of hope that we might not be looking to be the same old school bears that we wanted to be in the past. Because uh, a lot of these guys aren't are more innovative minds. Um, let's go ahead and move on. I'm going to read off one guy, Rex Hogan. Don't know too much about him. Um, I don't know if you do either. All I know is he's from the Jets. Uh, not so interested in uh, a Jets guy, but... Uh, Why not? Do you have anything you want to say on Because uh, they're the Jets. No, no I don't have anything... Uh, huge to say about Rex Hogan. I do think that the Jets are starting to take 
um, some steps forward. And really, ultimately, you don't have to go super far back from when they're actually a, you know, somewhat respectable team if you want to go back to the Mark Sanchez era. But at the same time, the team has taken a very dark, you know, very hard spill. Um, and past previous, uh, past coaching cans that we were just talking about, Todd Bowles had some very strong personalities that came in there and couldn't even really quite change the direction that team was going in. Absolutely. Uh, two guys I want to mention next, Rick Smith, former Texans GM. I would actually be really happy with Rick Smith. He had a pretty good amount of success drafting on the offense for uh, the Texans, and he's arguably overqualified. He was never fired from the Texans. Uh, very unfortunately, he actually stepped down because his wife developed breast cancer uh, and ended up passing away, so he wanted to spend some time with her. Uh, and now he's start, starting to try to re-enter the NFL. Um, as far as like addressing, he's the one that drafted Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, a lot of those good guys on offense that uh, the Texans had, he was a GM there for like eight years or something um, and, and put together some formidable teams. Uh, the other guy I want to mention, Jeff Ireland, Saints assistant GM. Uh, I would not like the hiring of Jeff Ireland. I know he is pretty respected as far as his like scouting ability, um, but he also notably asked Des Bryant if his mother was a prostitute and there's a little bit of character concerns there. Uh, so I, 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 don't think he's necessarily the guy to be looking at yeah that's a very that's a very interesting quip uh, I, I think that yeah I think ultimately with Kevin Ireland isn't someone that that ultimately jumps out as is someone that they need you know and, and I don't know <laughs> how do you do either one of these those two really jump out of you as someone that you think I, I think Rick Smith is ultimately Rick Smith. I think that he is actually a very serious candidate in this um i I could certainly see them potentially going with a rick smith because like you said he is someone that is very he's distinguished you know he's been around for a while um i don't think the fact that he wasn't fired or not necessarily makes a huge difference in whether or not the bears would um, want to hire him but i think that there's he has a solid a very solid reputation around the league and while we've been saying that you know a lot of these people are respected i feel like rick smith you know very legitimately you can say it with some real legitimacy that rick smith is has respect around the league um mm-hmm. is he responsible for the bill o'brien hire um i believe so Little but s- it, the team fell apart after he left yeah so I guess minor red flag. Although some people are even talking about Bill O'Brien comeback. Who was Bill O'Brien linked with in the NFL? Jaguars. I f- okay. Yeah, he he interviewed. He re- or I don't know if he interviewed yet, but he was requested by the Jaguars. Um, yeah, I, I'd be fine with Rick Smith. Not so happy about Jeff Ireland. Um, the next uh, two guys I want to mention, and then we'll kind of skim through the last couple. Uh, Joe Schoen, the Bills assistant GM. I've heard really good things about Joe Schoen. So um, a lot of buzz Shane, about him Shane. For sure. That you see, it's pronounced Shane, I guess. It is Shane, um, yeah. Yeah, Joe Shane. Uh, a lot of buzz about him. A lot of buzz about that Bills organization, how they draft. Um, you know, I haven't been enamored by the Bills drafting. You know, I think they've done. A, you know, obviously the team's a winning team. Obviously they got Josh Allen, uh, which was really good. Um, uh, there's been a lot of linking him 
to Dable in the fact that he will want Dable as his head coach where he goes. And then also a lot of linkage between, uh, apparently he wants the bears job, but also would be okay with the giants job. Um, and it seems like the giants are showing a little more interest in him right now than the bears. I think he's actually getting a second interview with them. So we might see that move happen fairly quickly. Uh, and then the final guy, Elliot Wolf that I want to mention, we'll get into some of these other guys. I don't view them as, as serious candidates, but, uh, Elliot Wolf, Patriots senior personnel consultant. Uh, I actually know somebody from my time in football that, uh, knows him pretty well. Uh, and he told me that he is just a phenomenal guy and would be at the top of his list right now. Um, as far as like GM candidates, I personally, from like the external perspective, I don't really know anything about him, but uh, having that vote of confidence, uh, is huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's tough to try to mimic the Patriot way outside of new England. But I think for someone like Elliot Wolf, um, when you have the opportunity to come over here and I think there are a couple building pieces that are already there and he can kind of begin to dissect some of the issues with the team. I could see Elliot Wolf being a good piece. Yeah. I think that it's tough. It's been tough for a lot of former Patriots products to have success, but I could see Elliot Wolf being um, someone that does a former Patriot having success. And I think in the case of Shane, um, the kind of, you know, the full fact that the Giants requested that second interview brought up the question of, you know, should the Bears speed up their process? Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately, yes. <laughs> you think yes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I think yes and no. I mean, I think there needs to be a sense of urgency, but I think the way that they've been going about it, the whole speeding up the process has gotten them in trouble before as well mm-hmm. um, and, and leading them to jump to a couple of things. But I don't think Shane would be a bad hire at all. I think that um, not only just the way that they draft, but I think the processes, the the culture that they've built, um, I think as far as organizational culture goes um, at, in Buffalo, when you look at from the first part of this decade to the second part of the decade has really seen a dramatic shift. I mean, they have turned into a winning culture, have really flipped things around. Um, and sure, you know, does some of that have to do with, you know, the the AFC East, you know, kind of having a little bit of a changing of the guard with, you know, the Patriots realizing a little bit without Tom Brady. Uh, but also it, it's still a massive adjustment that you have to make. And at the same time, it's a similar, similar situation that the Bears could be looking at at least reasonably. I mean, of course, Aaron Rodgers could leave at the end of this year, but at least sometime within the next four to five years, we can probably expect them to move on. And there's going to be an opportunity for a kind of changing of the guard within this division. And it's something that the bills were, were able to accomplish. And, you know, hopefully something that Shane would be able to do here as well. Mm -hmm. And just two other guys I want to mention, there are some other candidates, but I, I think I kind of just want to cover the big ones as far as moving quickly goes though, before we do that, listen, I agree. We should take our time, but at this point we've already interviewed a good amount of candidates. Um, I think now's the time where you have to start requesting that second interview. And truly, I'm hoping the Bears have a GM by the end of the week. And I think we probably may. Uh, we might. Uh, certainly, we need to by the end of next week um, because we need to start making a head coaching hire. And uh, by that time, there's already going to be probably some of the top candidates already, you know, going elsewhere. So. Uh, that's that's the big reason why I'm a little bit concerned about it. And uh, I don't think we need to uh, 
interview 16 candidates for our GM. Like I think how many people we've requested thus far. <laughs> um, but anyways, two other guys I want to mention first champ Kelly, current bears assistant director of player personnel heard really good things about him. Uh, there's some rumors that if Ryan Pace moved to president, he might move to GM. Uh, I know the players really like him. Apparently he was filling in in some like defensive and offensive assistant roles this season as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Tariq Cohen posted on his Instagram that he wants him to be the next GM. Uh, that being said, I heard he didn't interview very well. Um, and I also don't know how excited the fan base would be if it's just the same, you know, even though Ryan Pace is gone, the decision maker, if it's the same organization, uh, running the bears as far as the the personnel side the scouting side everything like that even though i think we've done a fairly good job with the scouting and everything and it really has been those upper level decisions that have been the mistakes um yeah i don't know i i would be fine with champ kelly but i think ultimately we move in a different direction yeah i i just like you said i don't think the fans will have it i think there needs to be kind of that that clear change of mentality, um, at least a sign to the team that there things need to change, that things need to get shaken up, um, which you know isn't necessarily the fault of Champ Kelly, um, at least directly, uh, but yeah, it's just not not the right move for right now, and kind of odd that he would interview poorly for the team that he works with as well. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I agree. And then finally, the last name I want to mention, Reggie McKenzie. Uh, do not bring Reggie McKenzie into this front office unless it's because Brian Dip, or sorry, not Brian Dable. Uh, uh, what's his name? Brian Flores. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Sometimes when you do these podcasts and you're just rattling off names, you can get a little tripped up. Uh, unless Brian Flores, which I'm guessing is the reason why they're interviewing him, uh, is the main proponent of him. Um I think Reggie McKenzie did not do that great of a job with the Raiders. Uh, That being said, there were a lot of questions as to the control he had over the Raiders because he was there with Gruden. Um, So, you know, I I think that I would be pretty upset if we hired Reggie McKenzie unless Brian Flores is like the main proponent and he's going to be like the head of the Bears, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see Reggie McKenzie necessarily being the perfect fit for this team. Um, like you said, even though John Gruden kinda had his way with the Raiders franchise in that in that time period, I, I still just I don't agree with a lot of decisions that the Raiders made. Me neither. It, it, it's tough to ever really Trading kind of Khalil Mack. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, it's just like they're just a team that drafts very weird and even on the free agent side kind of weird and right you're like Khalil Mack you know elite level player they traded away Amari Cooper kind of like a borderline elite you know wide receiver that they decided to move just a just a lot going on yeah and I think it is kind of interesting that he got his request right after they finished with Flores could also just be that a lot of these guys the Bears are bringing in to get a little more intel on the candidates that they're requesting for coaching. Um, I, I think that's a very real situation. Uh, and Reggie McKenzie, it seems like it could be a link with the Flores situation. It could be. And honestly, I don't blame him. I kind of, it seemed like when they're building these super huge lists that that's 
kind of the way that they're going about doing it is just amassing as much information as possible um, and then really trying to get as many eyes on that information as possible. So I would not put that past, you know, being the being the real reason why he was brought in. All right, man. Well, before we make this the longest podcast on record, uh, uh, what do you think about the playoffs? Are you excited this weekend? Any 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 takes on the playoffs before we go? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good weekend of football. I think. Who's going to the Super Bowl? Who's going to the Super Bowl? Man, that's so tough. I mean, it's honestly like this year with how the Packers have been, it's so tough to pick anyone but them. Yeah. But I also know that they, they love to blow things, you know, and I'm, I am a believer in trends, you know, some things in sports just do happen. Um, and really, if you look at it, kind of a lot of teams that I think are dangerous to the Packers are still left in the playoffs. You got the Buccaneers, the Rams and the 49ers. I think those are, are difficult. Obviously they have to go up against the 49ers this coming weekend. And then either the Bucks or the Rams, I do not think is an easy, easy draw for them. Um, in the NFC Championship game, I think opti- yeah. optimally with how the weather can be vari- variably, they probably would prefer the Rams, who are a little bit more dependent mm-hmm. on a, a passing attack. Um, but they get in a situation with the Buccaneers, they're not going to love that matchup. And then on the AFC side, you know, the Chiefs are obviously looking strong. I, I think that the Bengals have some good momentum. I don't think that anyone's necessarily picking them to to make it to the Super Bowl. Actually, I saw a couple of analysts that did, but I'm not necessarily one of those people. Um, I don't know. The AFC side just seems a little bit more boring. We really, ultimately it's going to, looks like it might come down to just like a Titans. Although they're playing the bills. So that's yeah, so I think tough the Titans to pick. Are, honestly, I don't know about them. I, I think the Titans are pretenders. I think the bills are going to beat them probably. Yeah. Um, I think it could be bills Packers. I'm hoping it's not. I think 49ers are a good matchup on the Packers. Hopefully they ended up beating them. You um, like the bills over the chiefs. That's the tough one for me, but yeah, bills just have, I feel like are so much. I feel like they're almost as good on offense and they're just way better on defense. That's no, that's definitely fair. I, I think that logically you'd pick Bills, but you can see the game play out in the way that yeah. you could see the Chiefs definitely taking the game. It would be an incredibly hard game to pick. Um, and man, that'd be one hell of an AFC Championship game. Honestly, if we're treated to a to a Bills Chiefs, that'd be pretty nice. Chiefs Chiefs haven't been doing it pretty, but they would they won like nine out of their last 10 games or something like that. Like they've just been winning and that's all you need to do to win the Super Bowl is just win. It doesn't need to ne- necessarily be pretty. I don't even know if I necessarily expect them to be in the Super Bowl last year, um, but they got back there and they, they did it. So, you know, I, um, I similar thought with the bucks, like the bucks, it hasn't always been pretty for them, but they've been winning and um, I'm picking the bucks over the Packers probably because I think the bucks are just a more well-rounded team as well. Um, and you know, Tom Brady in the playoffs, man, it's just like, it's hard to bet against them. It's super hard. You know, any second that you doubt that man, he ends up kind of, kind of biting you in the ass for that. So seriously, it's, it's tough though. We're getting down to some real teams here. I think this first wild card weekend really kind of sifted out just about all those pretenders and, um, you know, I don't feel the need to the need to crack eight billion Dallas jokes, but I think that you know, watching the Eagles go by and and everything else, watching the Steelers leave the playoffs 
did not surprise me and and helped uh, really kind of weed everything down into the teams that can actually compete. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Um, hopefully next week we can stop talking about either the GMs or the head coaches. But um, for now, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now, you know. So or at least uh, don't have to talk about like 30 of them, you know. Seriously, seriously. But all right, guys, thank you so much. And uh, bear down. Bear Go. down. Go.